Welcome to the Blue Coats Brass Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Cresty, and today we're joined by Blue Coats Brass Caption Head Derek Gibson and Brass Specialist Joni Perez. How are y'all doing today? Very good, Bob. Hey, Bob. Thanks. Good to be here. Awesome. Well, today's an exciting day since this is our very first full episode of the Blue Coats Brass Podcast. We feel we've assembled a great team of music educators and want to share some of our thoughts on brass pedagogy and drum corps in general. So whether you're interested in auditioning, you're a former marcher or a music educator, just wanting to learn, we're hoping we have something to offer you. You know, our initial plan is to release a new episode every other Monday that discusses some aspect of the Blue Brass program. And then during the summer, we're hoping to be able to add a lot of bonus content to give you a, a better idea of the day-to-day of the Blue Brass while we're on tour. So for our very first episode today, let's start off by taking the time to get to know some of the primary brass teachers here at the Blue Coats. So Derek, can you tell us a little bit about your role at the Blue Coats and your background in drum corps? Sure. I'm the brass captain of the Blue Coats, which basically means that I manage the brass program. I supervise the teachers and, you know, I do a lot of delegating. I don't do all of this at all, but a lot of it is, you know, things during the off-season as far as managing auditions and then the off-season training program of video assignments, then the day-to-day managing through spring training and the tour. This may include, you know, running ensemble and managing the technique program, all of that. And I have been here since 2012 when I was the co-captain in 2012 and 2013 became the captain head. And yeah, what else do you want to know? Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal history in drum corps? So I spent eight years as a member, four of which with the cadets. Before that, uh, two years with Southwind. And I started out when I was 12 with a little corps out of Hammond, Louisiana, called Expressions from Medieval Corps. There you go. That probably doesn't get a shout-out very often, but <laughs> a very good time with that bunch. And um, and I began teaching right after I out, spent one year with Carolina Crown. After that, spent a couple of years with Black, and then after that, went back to the uh, alma mater with the cadets for three years, got to teach with Dean Westman, Gordon Henderson, a lot of good educators that I still work with, at least with Dean. And then I was the brass captain of Capital Regiment for a couple of years. I taught uh, with Bob, of course, in Santa Clara in 2008, you know, took a couple of years off of drum corps and came back and spent a couple of weeks with the Blue Knights in, in 2011 and really enjoyed my time and kind of you know, gave me the taste for drum corps again and uh, actually sent the resume and first time I've ever done that for drum corps to Dave Glasgow in the Blue Coats and uh, and and managed to get a phone interview and, and got on the staff in there in 2012. Awesome. Well, what are some of your favorite memories from your time here with the Blue Coats? Lots of different things. I mean, I guess on the competitive side, you know, that 2014 year was pretty special. You know, the drum corps had only medaled once before I arrived in 2010. And, you know, at, during those days, the blue coats were kind of a common joke with, with uh, blue coats were generally slotted for sixth place. And every now and then was maybe a little bit higher than that. And 2010 really caught lightning in the bottle and achieved third. And, you know, for us to go from fifth, you know, squeaking out fifth in 2013, 
to passing the old drum corps again, the cadets on the very last show was pretty was pretty cool. I can really remember very vividly being on the field uh, there and they announced the third place drum corps. I mean, it was that was the year, of course, when Blue Devils were absolutely unstoppable. I think they went undefeated. Definitely had the the record score. So there was no battle for first at all. It was it was big battle for even third with Santa Clara and Crown were all bunched together. At the last second, we passed the cadets. That was a pretty cool moment. Awesome. Uh, the championship year, of course, was pretty cool. And it was a very old and experienced drum corps. And we, we did a lot of dramatic things with the costuming and with the music ensemble. And we knew from, from the beginning that it was going to be a pretty special year. So that was pretty cool. And, yeah, and the past couple of years, I feel like every year, the team gets better, the instructional team gets better, the, the kids get better. You know, 2018 musically was, was a whole lot of fun, just getting to play some of the material that we got to play. And, and, 2000, and last year was pretty special as well. Uh, seeing the first show at last year was, and, and seeing the crowd react in the way they did was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick just one, you know, and just the, you know, the hanging out and, you know, spring training, going to, uh, you know, talking yesterday about, you know, just going to like cheesy places to eat that are nearby Marion, Indiana, which isn't very much, but <laughs> good time, Charlie's, you know, doing little things like that, just hanging out with the staff too. It's also what it's all about as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Do you have a favorite brass line that you've taught while you've been at Blue? You know, like I said, it gets better every year. I mean, I think last year was our most successful. You know, and 2016 was pretty special. But if I listen back to 16, it was like, God, a lot of stuff in there that could have been better, you know. And um, like I said, I think the, the book for 2018 had some of the best uh, brass meat in it. And that was a lot of fun to prepare. Now, I'll I'll, mention, I'll, I'll shout out one more horn line out there <laughs> that was just kind of... Uh, just because of the amount of work we had to do to achieve this this show, and 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 it's a little bit of a uh, underrated uh, horn line, kind of a cult classic, if you will. And you know, maybe Joni can relate to this. It's very similar to like a '99 Cadet, and that is uh, 13, where it was just you know the first time blue coats weren't known for going at 192 for two minutes, and we did that with the uh, Steve Reich piece, and um, it, you know the kids couldn't perform it at all early season. You know the, the first run through ever was super rough, and people are barely able to stand up. And, and I know people that have marched 13, 14, 15, 16, and everyone says that 13 was the most challenging. So that was a horn line. It was also my first year kind of being the guy running it, and we were still cleaning stuff like detailed cleaning stuff on finals day i can remember so that was another one too that was a, a pretty special group for me awesome well, Joni, can you tell us a little bit about what your role is at the blue coats now and, and maybe a little bit about your background in the drum corps activity sure i'm working at the blue coats in somewhat of a limited capacity but it's mostly to assist Derek when he can't be on tour to operate in somewhat of a caption head role, um, if you will, from time to time. 
Uh, there's a couple weeks that I'll be with the drum corps, be with them about a week during spring training, and then um, a little bit once they leave on tour. And um, Derek will be gone at that point. And so while I'm there, my job is to act as the captain head and make sure that things are rock and roll and the waiting to in his absence and um, did a little bit of that at a couple of these camps um, this past winter as well. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about your background in drum corps? Yeah. Um, it's not as extensive as Derek's. That was, that was cool to listen to Derek's by the way, to hear about your background. I did not know all of that. I knew some of it, but not all of it. I, uh, I marched with cadets in 1998 and 1999 and was fortunate enough to learn from some really great educators, uh, Donnie Van Doren, Frank Sullivan, Matt Harloff, and went off to blast for a couple of years after that. Uh, in the middle of those four years that I did blast touring and performing, I uh, went and helped Blue Nights in 2000 for about a month um, with Jason Buckingham and uh, knew him and some of the other staff members from black when we did in London and uh, those few weeks that I spent doing that I just absolutely loved every second of it and knew that I wanted to continue to teach drum corps in some capacity Um, but actually didn't return to teaching until 2003 after I left the blast company and returned to college to get my degree Um, those two summers or 2003 in 2004, I was um, on the brass staff at Blue Knights, and uh, for the next three years after that, 2005, 2006, 2007, I was the brass caption head for those three years, and um, had a great staff working alongside me. It was really consistent from year to year, had a lot of veterans coming back each year, um, and so we were able to do a lot with, with that group that I think a lot of people didn't expect us to be able to do, and um Shortly after that, I moved from my assistant band director position here at the Women's into the head band director position. And uh, so my work responsibilities were becoming a bit too much. So I I stepped away from um, being captain head at Blue Nights and and just stepped away from from the drum corps uh, after 2007 and just came in and helped out for the next couple of years with the Cavaliers. So 2008, 2009, I was on there um, with David Burtman and his staff. And then 2010, 2011, I was at Madison Scouts um, for those two years, just assisting, um, you know, in a, in a limited capacity. And um, actually, I... I stopped teaching drum corps after that summer of 2011, just so I could focus on my job um, here at the high school uh, and have just been kind of a spectator for several years since then. And um, honestly, getting involved again was, was not something I anticipated. Um, I had been given invitations along the way to come and join um, various groups and uh, Blue Coats was one of them over the last couple of years um, you know whether it was from Derek or John Vanderkoff and um, to be honest it, this year it came down to Derek just sweet talking me <laughs> um, and 
he he worked me pretty hard to to come on tour, and so Good job, um, I knew it'd be fun. Yeah, I knew it'd be fun because I I could kind of work with um, John Vanderkoff and Michael Rayford, who I've been working with for over a decade um, here at the Woodlands. And uh, little known fact, um, Mark's with Derek and Bob, so both you guys uh, at Cadets and with Jared Huntley, um, who's on visual staff. So that's pretty cool to to get to come back to drum corps and teach with the people that I marched drum corps with. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was just a, just a couple of years ago. Just a couple. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to most about being here at the blue coats? Well, kind of, uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit already. There's a couple of things. One is getting to teach with, you know, some longtime friends and, uh, just really smart, brilliant people. I, uh, I've enjoyed, my time so far um, with everyone on staff and, and can tell that it's a really great organization to be a part of. So I'm honored to be asked to be a part of the team this year. And um, also just to kind of be a part of the activity again and see from the inside, everything has changed, even though I've you know been watching from the outside and my husband's been involved in drum corps all these years. So I'm still very familiar with, you know, the ins and outs of things, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to go back on tour and, and, uh, all days and, and see how that may have changed and things that haven't changed since I taught last. Is there any friendly competition between you and Brian since, uh, you work at two different, uh, of the top drum course? No, we just, we just go and do what we do. I mean, <laughs> there's, he's, he's a high school band director. I'm a high school band director. He's teaching in a drum corps. I'm teaching in a drum corps. I mean, we just, we just do our thing and, and have little husband and wife dates at the contest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll try and give the the short version. Not that there's a lot there about uh, my background as well as Joni mentioned, you know, we all marched together. I think we, all the three of us were actually together at the same time. The only year was 98, although Derek started at cadets earlier and Joni, you went a little later. Um, my background actually started as a saxophone player in high school and uh, the high school that I went to always put on and was the host of the DCI Houston show. And so that's was my introduction to the activity. And I just really wanted to march. So once I graduated high school, I picked up a baritone and taught myself how to play with a little beginner book. And uh, after about three months of that, went to a cadets camp and I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but I kept showing up. And so they gave me a spot. So that was neat. And I ended up marching with the cadets for three years. During my time there, I ended up switching uh, my primary instrument in college over to euphonium so that hopefully I could be a better marching member. And then along with Joni and Derek, uh, ended up doing blast as well. Now, the, the three of us never were in the same cast at the exact same time. But I, th- I think there was a time when, when Joni, you and Derek were in the same cast, I think. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, Joni and I were together. Awesome. Yep. So yeah, that was, that was the extent of, of my performance background in drum course, just those three years. And then on the teaching side of things, I taught with Derek at crown in 99 for the first time and then continued on with crown, uh, for eight additional years, three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 11, 12, um, on the brass staff there. And being part of that, uh, turnaround of that program was a lot of fun. Uh, at 2008, I was the brass caption head for the Santa Clara Vanguard, where Derek and I worked together. Uh, 
And then in 2016, I was the visual caption head with the cadets. And then I've kind of been helping out here at Bluecoat since 2018. And so this is my third year here. And, and some of my roles here are, again, to, to assist Derek when he's not around. I kind of help run the line. And I also do a lot of work sort of behind the scenes um, with the stagger breathing parts and all kinds of things like that. And we can probably discuss that more in some future episode instead of wasting people's time with that now. And uh, so, yeah, just kind of work with Derek. We have a, a lot of fun and, and he just tells me what he needs to get done with the brass line and then I'll kind of organize it. And, you know, I'll just sort of be sort of the, the nitpicky detail guy, I guess, is sort of my role on that side of things. So, Derek, can you give us an idea of sort of how the rest of the brass staff is set up at Blue Coats? Because it's a pretty large staff. Yes. Uh, yeah, gone are the days of uh, one caption head and, and four techs, and everyone does the entire summer, minus a few days here and there, as it used to be 20 years ago. Nowadays, people are have lots of other commitments I mean. A lot of a lot of people on staff are, are either high school band directors or, or college band directors and have loads of other responsibilities. So for that reason, just to get the right coverage with good people, we have to have a bigger staff. And essentially we have three trumpet techs, three mellophone techs, three very youth techs, and two tuba techs. And it, that's not including Joni, Bob, and I. Also not including Donnie Van Dorn and Dave McKinnon. So, yes, it is a, it is a big staff. So you have us three that's on this podcast now that are responsible for running the line when one of us is there. Both Donnie and Dave McKinnon are advisors. Dave's been around since the early 90s in the uh, uh, blue coats and really responsible for the brass line, having its distinctive sound for as long as it has. And, of course, Donnie, Trump Corps Hall of Fame, he taught all of us at the cadets, and he's very much the kind of person that just kind of whispers things in my ear constantly when he's around of, of things that need to be done. But besides that, we do, for all the techs, we do have one lead tech per section. You know, Rick Brown does the trumpets, Kristen Eck does the mellophone, Patrick Aaron is the baritone and euphonium, and Brian Warfield is for the tubas. And those guys' responsibilities are, one, to staff for the summer, and that's something new I've done this year, and it's already worked out great, where you know Rick will work with the other two trumpet guys and make sure that there's a trumpet guy there for the entire summer. Same thing for all the other sections. And there may be one or two places where we have to compromise, uh, given that there's only so much room on the staff, but that's the other, another thing that wasn't a thing 20 years ago when we all slept on that regular buses with uh, seats in it. We're all prima donnas these days or, or just too old to handle it anymore. And we actually have beds to sleep in on our nice bus, which means we can't have as many people. So, you know, on average, we have between four and five brass staff people. So lots of, lots of times that gets a little bit dicey on, on who's, who's on the road. So they help me in making sure that we have good coverage. 
In addition to that, their responsibilities are is to make sure that as one staff member comes in and someone else comes out, that any type of changes, clarifications, the style, all that sort of thing is clearly communicated. The worst thing for a student is to get inconsistent information from staff member to staff member. So we try to minimize that as much as possible. We do a pretty good job of it. So yeah, I think, you know, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we got a lot better this past year. Uh, Kristen did a great job of, of helping manage all of the changes uh, every week when she basically sent out her reports. And then I would kind of go in to update all the scores. But I, I think she did a great job from the road to to keep that organized right. so that the kids were getting that consistent information. The other thing that we incorporated last year was uh, having score study conference calls, I think once every two weeks, and we just went through the score and, and communicated on a something that's recorded, uh, all the little changes, and then that got sent to, to Bob, who updated it in our scores. That's very, you know, very, it's the biggest challenge for this activity is keeping all that stuff current. And if you're in concert band or even marching band, it's just a band director or a conductor that's interpreting everything. And sometimes it's just even through gestures of how this wants to be accented. But in drum corps, you can't necessarily do that. It all has to be verbally communicated to the students in a consistent way. And the only way to do that is to, for the staff to communicate a lot, yeah. uh, which gets frustrating, but it, it pays off in the end. Yep. Well, before we continue the rest of our discussion, let's take a quick break to hear about our sponsor for this episode. Hammond Design is the exclusive mouthpiece manufacturer for the Bluecoats. Carl Hammond is recognized by players all over the world for his commitment to excellence through superior craftsmanship and professionalism. That's why Bluecoats trust Hammond and why we feel you should get the experience of sound in HD. Visit carlhammonddesign.com to get started. That's Carl with a K, hammonddesign.com. Now that we know about the staff involved for the Bluecoats Brass, let's learn a little bit more about the Brass line for 2020. So, Derek, can you talk to us a little bit about how tough was the audition process this year? Yeah, very. Uh, we called back somewhere around 100. Well, I think we called back around 190 or so and 170 attended or 175, somewhere around there which is a little bit more than we normally have. We normally call back about 175 and about 150, 160 show up to the callback. So about how many people uh, audition total? On average, and I can't, don't know off the top of my head if I'm honest, but it's generally somewhere between 400 and 500 for the brass. And we have four different audition camps, one in Texas, one in Ohio, one in California, and one near Atlanta. So, and you know, Ohio can get close to, it's usually between 150 and 200. Both Atlanta and Texas are around 100. And uh, California is usually a little bit less than 50, somewhere 30, somewhere around there. So, um, yeah, it's a good number of, of people who audition for the brass. We call back, you know, between half and a third and a half at each one of those satellite auditions. And those people, we also have video auditions as well, probably about 20 or 30 of those. And we, we invite people who, feel, who we feel like have a chance of uh, making the line to a second audition called the callback audition in the beginning of January. It's usually the, the first or the second weekend of January. 
and yes, it was it was quite difficult. I, I sit in a room and listen to, or I try to listen to every brass player. I had to have Kristen help me out towards the end to get through it. I listen to every brass player play a little bit on the move, a little bit of dance, a little bit of uh, box drill with with players double tonguing, and then the other staff members will listen to them play an etude or two standing still. In addition to that, we have uh, a visual audition. And I happen to have it in front of me right now, just this, this spreadsheet. And it's about, it's literally six different columns. So it's quite, in, it's quite involved on the spreadsheet of different wow. ways we evaluate the students. Yeah. So, you know, we do that uh, just to make sure that we are evaluating every aspect of what it means to do drum corps. And uh, so how is the yeah. brass line set up this year now? So we have roughly uh, half that, which is about average, which is good. I mean, that's, I feel pretty happy with our retention level from year to year. It's half the group, you know, sometimes we age out people and, and, um, you know, so a good percentage of students who want to come back do come back, which, you know, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we, you know, we do provide a, a good and fun educational experience for the students that they want to spend the amount of money it takes to do it again and come back. So that's good. You know, the talent, the, the age, the experience, talent level seems pretty high. I mean, we have, if you look at the analytics through the most successful drum corps in the past, in general, the older drum corps does better competitively. And uh, we have, I think, four high school kids in the horn line, which is probably the least we've ever had. You know, the most folks are in, are in college. And I'm look, if I look at the trumpets, I know every trumpet that has made the line marched drum corps somewhere before. That's awesome. So there's no complete rookies in the trumpet line. That hasn't happened before. Uh, and, you know, just some of the, the sounds that I was hearing, it's very mature, more prepared than the past. So feeling pretty good. The only unfortunate thing is that if you talk to any other brass caption head in the activity, they're probably telling you the same thing. Uh, it's the best <laughs> we've ever seen, you know. Uh, but I also think it's true. I think that uh, I think the talent in the activity continues to get better and better, not just for the blue coats, but for everybody, which makes mm-hmm. the competition more fun, you know, for fun or frustrating, whichever way you want to look at it, because. Every time I come out and, and see other groups, I'm generally impressed with what a lot of the other groups are doing. Yeah, a side note on that, the last time I was teaching um, was 2012, I believe. And, uh, you know, the the quality of the drum corps from, you know, from 12 to 1 is just crazy. And beyond that, it's uh, really, really cool to see how far, you know, the quality of each group has become. Um, and that's, that's a product of a lot more really good instruction that's happening out there. So you've got better instructors and you've got lots of better players. So it does make it exciting and, um, frustrating too at the same time, but you know, everybody getting better is what makes, what makes everyone stay on their toes. So what advice do you have for someone now that may be wanting to audition for the Blue Coats next year? Well, I would give, and I say this to everybody, you know, two basic things. One, study privately. You know, you don't have to be a music major to make, to get into a drum corps. You know, so if you're already a music major, you kind of have that private instruction. 
But if if you're not a music major and you're in or you're in high school and you don't have a private lesson teacher, get one. There's just no substitute for that. And and most private lesson instructors these days are more open to drum corps or you know in the drum corps too. Or we we kind of pick etudes and audition material that more in line with auditions for you know field bands or major concert bands or orchestras we actually for a lot of our audition stuff use the TMEA all-state audition music just so at least the folks in Texas don't have to learn two different things in October November month so um, that's the one thing study privately with somebody and the other thing is you know March get experience in a drum corps somewhere. It doesn't really matter what level. I mean, of course, you know, try to get as as high as you can to get the best educational experience. But even a little bit of, uh, even an open class uh, experience, you're going to get a certain level of, you know, feel for what it's like way more than someone who's never done any Trump court at all before. There's just no substitute for knowing what it takes to do drum corps than it is to march somewhere. So we, we tell people to get that experience somewhere, and we tell people to, uh, you know, to not just use their experience in their marching band only. Uh, get, get that uh, private lesson instruction as well. So, Joni, as a band director at one of the top programs in the country, I assume that you have some of your students come and ask you about, you know, I want to march drum corps. What do I do? How do I do? What do I, where do I go? How do I plan for this? Does that happen for you? Yeah, it happens a few times each year. And, um, you know, some kids know that they're not ready, you know, for a top six, top eight, even top 12 drum corps. And they'll, they'll ask, you know, how to best, get into the activity and of course we can guide them you know where we think would be a good fit for them to get them started in the activity and then there's those that you know are are, that I've had audition at the Blue Coats that make it and at Vanguard that make it you know while they're still in high school and haven't graduated yet and uh, obviously you know super proud of of any of those kids that want to get involved in the activity, but you know, there's, there's a place for everyone for sure. And, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to try a few times to get in a place you really want. And sometimes you got to, to try out other groups to get experience and, and, you know, get strong enough and build up your mental and physical endurance to be able to do a top drum core like Blue Coats. Yeah. So Joni, as a new member of the Blue Brass staff and having been to a couple of camps so far, what's your experience been like having been away from the activity for so long? Well, um, I was I was a little nervous getting back into it. I mean, it had been, been seven or eight years, which is crazy. But, you know, the staff was incredibly welcoming, um, which was great. It made it really easy to just walk in and, and um, become a part of things. And everybody was just really nice. And so that, that made me feel comfortable. But as far as the students go and the, the kids are auditioning and the members, they were great as well. I think what made it feel pretty easy to become part of is watching the first couple of rehearsals with you and uh, Derek 
and realizing that we speak the same language completely. And, you know, there were times where I was thinking specific words and one of you would say the same exact thing that I, that I was about to say with the same exact wording, which was freaky. Um, <laughs> and I Thanks, thought, okay, Donnie. well, this is good because, you know, I know that we're all, you know, we're all smart and, and know how to teach music, but, you know, the manner in which you deliver it and the vocabulary and the terminology you know, can vary from drum corps to drum corps, from staff person to staff person. And what I found reassuring was that, you know, we spoke the same language. And so when it was time for me to to get in front and, and run some things, I didn't feel like I was something completely different for them, which, you know, different person, sure, uh, new face, maybe a few different ways of, of saying the same concept, but I, I knew that we were in line you know, with our information and how we were instructing. And so that was, that was a really reassuring feeling. And I've had, you know, veterans come up to me at the camps and say, you know, that they, they think that my teaching style fits right in with things. And so that, that feels good to know that that part's not going to be a struggle. So I'm looking forward to just seeing what I can contribute and what I can learn along the way. Awesome. Well, Derek, I know the Blue Coats are known for keeping their shows pretty top secret until the first show of the season. Is there anything you can tell us about the 2020 season or the brass line or anything going on with them? Yeah, well, we were joking about this beforehand. I think that we can say what we're playing for an encore, you know. <laughs> we're going to keep playing the boxer. Uh, we're going to, of course, keep playing Autumn Leaves. And one new tune we're going to do is Sir Duke, Stevie Wonder tune. Uh, just a lot of good material in that to play. And one of the main reasons why we picked it was it's also a good tempo to march a parade to. So, you know, part of part of this, uh, and, and high school band directors are going to listen to this and laugh, but part of the challenge is to maximize the amount of time you have and I know, it, I know lots of folks that, geez, you must have all the time in the world, but once you get in there and do it every day, you realize there's still a finite amount of time. And so we, by, you know, getting rid of the march that we used to play and having an encore tune that works both for playing in a parade and in an art for an encore, it means there's one last piece that we have to prepare. The other thing is, too, is that, you know, if you ask the designers, what we're doing, they're not going to tell you much either. And it's always very, not not because they're being secretive, because they don't know yet. You know, yeah. the, the design process is purposely, at least with the food coach, is purposely very organic. And they let things come to them. They don't rush to a title. I guarantee you they have no idea what the title is yet. You know, And, um, you know, I know some of the source material, but I'm not disclosing any of that. But even that might change, and what we pick from that source material will change. And, you know, I would say in general, the concept of the show comes to fruition from year to year on average, somewhere March, April. Last year was probably an exception. Uh, The group knew that they were going to play the Beatles in November. I think I think they knew they were going to play within you without you in in November, and that was about it. But that was 
even then, that, that was definitely on the early side as far as the, the overall concept. Yeah, and I think we did a pretty good job at, at keeping that under wraps for a pretty extended period of time. So thank you to the 2019 mm-hmm. members for that one. I, I think people don't always understand why we do it. I mean, if we would have said we're doing the Beatles in January, people would have gotten all sort of preconceived notions as to what that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it almost kind of can make people get an impression of the group before they see us. And, and that's maybe not as positive as what it, what it can be if it's, a, if it's a surprise. Now, for one thing, there's been loads of groups do the Beatles. And so people might have kind of... Uh, put it down, oh, they're doing something that's already been done before. But by keeping it a surprise, you see how fresh it is and a fresh interpretation it is on the same day you actually learn what we're doing. Well, looking at the the tour schedule this year, it seems like Bluecoats are keeping a, a pretty standard schedule to how it's been the last few years. Are there any specific shows or stadiums or just places you enjoy going to uh, during the summer that you're looking forward to this summer? Well, you know, we're thinking about this, and it's, I would say all of Blue Coast's home shows are pretty special. I, I don't think last year we were at the Maslin show, and that's one with a big overhang, and it's always super crowded, and it sounds really loud. It's not a whole lot of clarity, per se, because it's a little boomy in there, but, you know, it's so exciting in there, and just the home crowd for the Blue Coast, the alumni, you know, they, they get a little crazy, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch, you know, and, uh, in last year we were in the Akron University Stadium and that's actually really big and great acoustically sounding stadium and, you know, it's just something about hearing the blue, uh, shout during the, the you know, long before the the core interest the field from the uh, from the home team that, that's pretty special. How does that go again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other the other uh, the other thing I think everyone looks forward to, and I think it's everyone in the activity. You know, I I, I, mean, I, I mean I know this from talking to people when you talk to the Blue Devils staff last year. I mean, the first time that we saw each other, you know, because they're out in the West Coast and, and we were undefeated last year and, until we until we uh, saw Blue Devils, I think the third or fourth time, I'm not sure, I think it was Murphy, Murfreesboro's when we lost the undefeated status there. But that first time you meet the other team that's doing really well and you haven't seen them, that's always really nerve-wracking and exciting and, and you're trying to control it. You're trying to control it. I can remember Myself, I just after we're trying to control it for the kids because you're trying to keep, preach to the kids that not to do anything drastically different. But yet, me, my, you know, myself is feeling different than the last show and the, uh, you know, it was a really small show and it was, you know, Troopers and Academy and some other folks. And all of a sudden we see the Blue Devils and it's, it's, um, that's always very, very exciting. And I remember talking to their staff and, because last season was crazy. We kept bouncing back and forth and we see each other, the staff and just shake our heads going, this is crazy. This is, mm. we've never seen anything like this, you know. Jenny? Well, being a Texas girl, you know, I have to look forward to the Texas shows and um, it's interesting that they've kind of restructured things down here. So 
I'm curious to see how that pans out. Before those Texas shows, the Broken Arrow show is always a good one. You've got all those, you know, great fan programs in Oklahoma. So you've got a really great culture there. And I, I remember that show being really exciting. And um, I'm sure it'll be just as exciting this summer. But yeah, the Texas shows, you know, splitting up the San Antonio into two and, uh, you know, adding a few others. Uh, I think it's great for the state that, that there's, that there's going to be more opportunity around the state to get to watch drum corps. It'll just be interesting to see, you know, how not having the head to head San Antonio show shakes out since not everybody sees each other for another week after that. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Having to, to wait that extra week to find out where everybody stacks up against one another is, is, is going to be interesting for sure. You know, I, I think Texas, I think there's six shows now, six or seven shows in, yeah, in that's Texas, a lot. All, all in the span of basically like Thursday to Tuesday. So what is that? Six, right. six days, seven shows is, is going to be pretty crazy. But I, you know, I definitely agree with you, Joni, that the, the Texas shows are some of the most fun ones because there's just so many band kids that, that come to the shows and start screaming and and they show up at the rehearsals and they show up at the warmups and they're buying all the souvenir stuff. And it's, it's just different in Texas, I guess is the easy way to say it. And then, you know, the, well, and with blue coat specifically, the, there's a lot of Texas membership. So yeah, absolutely. It just makes that part of tour, you know, that much more fun and more memorable for those members. Yeah. And I would say the, uh, the only other place that, I enjoy getting up to is up in the Northeast, specifically Allentown, just because there's so much history uh, at J. Bernie Crumb up Absolutely. there. And, you know, it's whether or not you can actually get the crowd to applaud up there is always going to be a big challenge. And you know that, that when they start screaming, you know that they love you because that's one of the places they can yeah. be known to just sort of sit on their hands if they're not buying it. And so it's, it's such a fun place to get to and such a historic stadium. Absolutely. There's something about drum corps on the East Coast, Bob, like the Lynn Mass show, and and um, and it's always a fun part of the tour as well. Those that early season East Coast tour, you know, where you know it's early July, you have that parade in there. If you're on the East Coast, and it's just it's just a different attitude. I think it it is totally the opposite of Texas, where it's a lot of high school band kids. There are families and people not even associated with high school band that just go to that same drum mm-hmm. corps show every mm-hmm. year. And it's just to get a hot dog and sit with your, with your family and watch some drum corps the same way people would go to like a hockey game, in some other part of the world, you know, and uh, it's just something special about that. And, and, and everything's all close together. You got to warm up in somebody's front yard and, and they come out and make sure you got enough water and, and, uh, you know, it's just, um, I do like that part of tour as well. I don't think it gets enough love. Well, as we wrap up this first full episode, can I ask each of you, what are you most looking forward to about the 2020 season? I'm looking forward to getting to teach with old friends and um, getting to learn just how to continue becoming a, a, the best educator that I can and doing it in the capacity of blue coats, um, you know, there's, there's not much better place to do that with the instructors and the members and the creativity that happens there. Um, and the relationships 
that um, everyone has. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of something with a group of people that just really enjoy working together and learning together and teaching together. So that, that'll be fun. Uh, for me, the more I, I'm around this drum corps and, and get to watch every year John Vanderkoff put his mark on the show and, and, and you know, the visual aspect add to the, the music and what Jim Moore adds to the show it, during spring training is to me the most exciting part, watching the show come together. You know, after you've gotten all the music written and watching the, the staging and the dots being put on the field and and what kind of props we're going to have and the first time we see the costumes, all of that stuff. You know, back when I marched and early in my teaching, there was always like finals or the big regionals. But with the Blue Coast, it's that first time you get to really see the show come together it's the most exciting time, you know, week three, four, and five of spring training and that first show. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, th- this will be my my second full summer actually on tour. And, you know, I'm just kind of looking forward to hanging out with my friends and being around kids that want to work really hard. It's it's just such an honor to be a part of this organization and the types of, of members that we get here and how much they're willing to let us push them towards excellence. And it's just um, such a, a great thing to be a part of. And we've got a lot of great educators that we'll continue to bring on this podcast and, and introduce to the drum corps world if they don't already know their names. And I, I'm just looking forward to hanging out with all those people over, over the summer. So is there anything else either one of you would like to add on our first podcast? You know, I think, We've mentioned it a few times. You mentioned just how good the organization is. I think, especially for the first podcast, I think it's important to point out the fact that a big part of the success of the brass is, or and of the Trump Corps as a whole, doesn't have as much to do with as me or anybody else on the instructional staff. It has to do with the administrative staff. And uh, Mike Scott and Genevieve Geisler and Bill Hamilton. Now, I've worked with a lot of different administrations. I know you have as well, and they really are the, the best I've ever had to work for. And just the sense of organization and, and how well the the kids are are treated. You know, we 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 treat them with respect and dignity all the time, and we make sure that they're always safe and and getting enough sleep and and eating well and all that sort of things and all of that stuff really translate to being successful on the field. So I just thought it'd be good to kind of, not just because they signed my paycheck, I thought it'd be good <laughs> to give them a shout out as well. Yeah, they do an outstanding job of running the drum corps and all the different activities that the drum corps is involved in, which you can learn about at bluecoats.com. Well, thank you both for taking the time today to introduce yourselves and give a little more insight to the Blue Coats Brass Program and how things are looking for the 2020 season. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Blue Coats Brass Podcast. Please tell your friends about our podcast and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any topics you'd like to suggest or questions for us to answer in future episodes, please email us at brasspodcast at bluecoats.com. You can catch us on Instagram at bluecoats or at bluebrass, spelled B-L-O-O brass. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the handle bluecoats. To learn more about the Blue Coats organization and all of its offerings, 
Visit us on the web at bluecoats.com. Our podcast is made possible in part from the support of Hammond Design, the official mouthpiece designer and manufacturer of the Bluecoats Drum and Bugle Corps. As a performance partner of the Bluecoats, we trust HD with our sound, and we think you should too. Learn more at carlhammonddesign.com to get started. That's Carl with a K, hammonddesign.com.